Drilling Deep. I am your host, John Kingston. Drilling Deep is the place where we talk about oil, we talk about diesel, we talk about lots of other things. We're going to be talking about nuclear verdicts in a few minutes. But first, let's run through just a few things going on in the world of oil and diesel. And I've got to admit, there hasn't not been a lot. It's hard to believe that this was an industry in utter crisis not that long ago. Okay, so now maybe it's only in a little bit of crisis. The price of oil is still not sustainable at these levels, barring OPEC and other producing countries continuing their, quite frankly, stunning curtailment of supply and doing so for a long time to come. The cutbacks have been so successful that S&P Global Platts this week forecast global supply and demand into next year, and it actually sees a deficit by the start of 2021. Now, it's important to note that a deficit doesn't mean a shortage. The amount of crude oil in storage is still going to need to be drawn down to a more to more normal levels before there's any sort of market tightness. But really, just seeing that chart that they put out showing demand exceeding supply, we haven't seen that for quite some time. It was kind of a sobering forecast they came out with this week. There's another factor that I want to mention that is helping to drive oil prices higher bit by bit, and that is the weakness of the dollar. It's not much to talk about, but the price of oil, as I speak, has added about $2.30 per barrel for West Texas Intermediate. That's just over the last two weeks. During that time, the U.S. dollar has been weak, and there are projections for it to go weaker still. The price of oil around the world is priced in dollars, so when the greenback weakens, oil moves in the opposite direction. That correlation is not one for one. It isn't perfect. But for example, this past week, on a day when the weekly Energy Information Administration statistics were released, on Wednesday that was, it showed a pretty shocking increase in crude oil inventories. Nobody really expected that. The forecasts all were for a draw. The price of oil, which really probably should have plummeted based on that news, actually moved upward just a small bit. Now, you wonder, like, how could that happen? Well, it's happening against the fact that the dollar on that same day continued to weaken further, and it's been weakening really for weeks. So you would not have expected the crude to drop. It dropped anyway. So there is a pretty big drop in the dollar that day, and, you know, you see the reaction to that in the movement in crude. Other than that, the diesel market is somewhat uneventful. It showed some signs of strengthening against crude, but really nothing significant at this point. The U.S. inventory report for diesel this past week showed another increase in U.S. stocks. So for diesel, we're just going to leave it there. It's kind of all quiet on the Western front. So this is a shorter than normal summary of the oil market, but it has been pretty calm. It's hard to believe that oil, of all things, is an island of stability in a world of chaos. Okay, we're going to shift gears now, and we're going to get back to a subject that I know everybody is interested in, and that's nuclear verdicts. I think they're interested in them because they hope they go away. I know I did a show a few weeks ago with uh, with a guest who was talking about nuclear verdicts, and it turned out to be one of the most popular ones we've had here on Drilling Deep in terms of the number of people who listened in. So always interested to talk to somebody who can give new perspective on it. And with that, our guest today is Keith Dunlap. Keith is the Senior Vice President at Gallagher Bassett. I don't know that I can adequately describe Gallagher Bassett, so we're going to let Keith do that in a second. But uh, we're going to let him describe his company. But what caught my eye about Keith was that a piece I encountered in a magazine that's uh, basically aimed at the insurance industry regarding his views on ways that companies can cut down their exposure to nuclear verdicts. So he's going to speak from the perspective of somebody who has an offering that he believes can do so. And we're going to welcome Keith today to Drilling Deep. Keith, thanks for joining us. Not at all. Glad to be here, John. So tell us what Gallagher Bassett does. 
Gallagher Bassett is a um, third-party administration firm specializing in a variety of areas, niche, niche areas of claims administration. I handle the, um, uh, the claims that come out of the transportation arena for Gallagher Bassett, but we're, we're a very diversified organization handling all types of claim activity across a diverse sector of uh, businesses across the United States and globally. We have um, about 6,000 claims people spread throughout the world. Um, and we have a special transportation practice group, which I lead. So right. our job, so our job is to basically protect the motor carrier industry uh, and, and 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 seek ways to secure favorable outcomes in their, when they have trucking events, trucking accidents. Right now, you 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 had the whole transportation segment, and we're talking here about nuclear verdicts. But let me just ask you in general: What do the claims look like? You see a lot of claims. There's so much focus on the big ones, the big whoppers. What about claims in general against the trucking industry? Well, that's a broad question. Um, we handle right at about 4,000 trucking accidents a month at Gallagher Bassett within the practice area, and this is these these are claims that arise. Um, you know, certainly with risk management accounts, large fleets that have self-insured retentions that participate in risk to a certain level, or you may have a, a carrier uh, captive uh, organization made up of a number of motor carriers, smaller, that also participate in risk. And then you also have motor carriers that have fully um, insured, guaranteed uh, insurance programs, uh, and they don't participate in risk, maybe a small deductible. Um, the common theme among risk management captive and program insurers that have these types of insur- uh, truckers that have these type of claims though, is that the, the type of claim, the type of incident is uniform throughout, whether it be a wide ride, a lane change, a rear end or a backing event. So the, the only distinction I'm, I'm making here is that the financing of those claims differs between the type of accounts I've just described, but the types of accidents are pretty similar with all three types of business segments. Now, again, we're going to focus on nuclear verdicts, but let me just ask in general, from your perspective, are things getting more dangerous out there? Or are they getting maybe even safer and maybe the more safer focus is being blotted out by the fact that so many verdicts are so so enormous? Well, it depends on your time frame you're speaking about, John. If, you, if you're talking about post-COVID-19 since January of this year, uh, frequency of loss has gone down in the sector. Um, and we're during during the COVID nineteen era. This last seven or eight months, we have been able to secure uh, a large number of, of fair outcomes for the trucking clients that we serve. Um, I think I think the uncertainty in the market right now is is uh, causing a lot of plaintiff attorneys to get far more realistic with their evaluation of these cases. Uh, so we've had tremendous success over the last six or seven months in directly negotiating these losses of all types, uh, severe and, and routine, uh, with plaintiff's bar. And there's a, you know, we could talk an hour about why that's happening right now, but the current environment, the current unemployment in the market, uh, the fact that there's a great deal of uncertainty in the market, the fact that hospital, you know, that people are not able to build their medical costs right now because of, uh, of certain prohibitions about surgery, uh, elective surgery. There's all kinds of issues that are, that are uh, impacting our ability to resolve these cases right now. But the time is, is currently uh, right now is, is a great time to resolve cases with plaintiff's bar trucking cases. Uh, prior to that, yes, um, the market conditions were overwhelming and they have been since 2012. Um, since 2012, we've seen about a 250% increase in nuclear verdicts. 
Um, prior to 2012, we had maybe 50 to 60. Uh, since 2012, uh, you've had around 250 to 260 nuclear verdicts. So there's a lot of reasons that nuclear verdicts uh, arise at, uh, prior to COVID-19. Um, and, there's a, and these reasons are the very reasons the insurance sector is uh, having double-digit rate increases for the insurance sector, for insurance premiums over that time span. The loss ratios are, were deteriorating. Um, the industry, the insurance industry, could not get their hands around uh, or predict uh, verdicts or outcomes. And, and so when an insurance carrier whose very job is to predict outcomes in a certain um, uh, area of, of, of business, if they're unable to do it, they, they, they quit writing that type of business. So there's a lot less insurance carriers willing to write trucking right now because of the runaways. Um, there's a great deal of inconsistency between the state court system and our federal court system. Um, 90% or more maybe of, of, the, of the runaways that you've seen since 2012 have been in our state court systems, not our federal courts. We're getting a, a truckers get a far better shake in federal court than they do in, in the state courts where the rules of evidence are far more lax and prone to um, 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 be partisan for the plaintiffs. Um, the, uh, the, there's a lot of other reasons I could give you for the driver, for the, for the, for the, for the nuclear verdict. Let's come back to that because I, the, the main thing I wanted to talk about today was uh, mm-hmm. the piece that I saw in property, I guess, property, property and casualty PC magazine, sure. which you were talking about the role of a company like Gallagher Bassett as right. a TPA, a third party administrator. So right. you're, you've been here and you've been talking about, well, we did this, we did that. And I think most people, when they look at a nuclear verdict or a litigation regarding a truck accident, think that the lawyers do everything. And what, you know, clearly the way you're speaking, you've been very involved in a lot of these cases. What is your role? Our role is to be the frontline administrator negotiating with third parties to resolve their claims on a fair basis. Most times today, that is through uh, a plaintiff attorney that represents the injured part, third parties. Um, so our, our role is to represent the motor carrier, take all the elements of our investigation that are favorable for the trucker, advance those, argue, those defense arguments for the trucker, convince the plaintiff attorney of our position and, and, and how sound it is and how reasonable our offer is and, and try to resolve the case on the most fair terms for the trucker. That's, that's in essence what we do as a TPA. We don't hand off cases to defense bar. We, we certainly rely on our defense attorneys to defend us when litigation arises um, and, and for certain other key, key um, chores, if you will. Uh, but our job as a TPA is to drive the reasonableness of the resolution with the attorney. So that's what we do. That's that's we're in the trenches, rolling up our sleeves every day, checking social media, uh, investigating these claims and finding out ways that we can drive a reasonable outcome. That's that's in essence what a TPA does. Right. Now, you're, it sounds to me like you're not brought in just on a one off like, oh, we had a big accident. Let's bring in Gallagher Bassett. It sounds to me like and because you talked before about you handle claims. This is an ongoing process. So you, I guess you would be on some kind of a contractual arrangement or a, uh, a retainer with a company to do services all the time. And every so often it'll blow up into some big accident uh, litigation that, that might, in fact, turn into a, a nuclear verdict. No, you're right. There's different ways in which a TPA comes to the table, uh, John. One is, uh, I mentioned program business. Insurance carriers that specialize in writing wheels business, commercial auto, they contract with us as their claim department. They outsource the claims function to us at GB. So we'll we'll get any number of new losses. Believe me, 90% of them are, are routine, 
uh, small incidents, backing incidents, small lane changes, small you know light light impact cases. But every once in a while, about ten percent of cases have some have significance to them. Have some uh, they are certainly a DOT reportable, or they're the type of cases that uh, cause you pause uh, because the, either the volatility, the volatility of the impact, um, the third party representation, the venue that we're in, a whole variety of factors that escalate them in in terms of um, um, uh, severity, but yes, we're we're getting claims from from the very first day they occur, and we run with them all the way until they're resolved. It could be that we resolve a claim in, in two days, or it could be uh, a number of years that the claim is outstanding until it's resolved. Wow, very big difference. What kind of firms employ you? Would a really small carrier with let's say you know five to ten trucks employ a TPA? Or is it just is this just something that you really find only with bigger companies, or or do you maybe fall, go go right down to the smaller guys? The smaller the smaller motor carriers, the one to ten to one to twenty five power, uh, power unit accounts, are generally uh, with a guaranteed cost program with an insurance carrier. It could be AIG, it could be you know any number of North Atlantic Travelers, Great West. It could be any number of insurance carriers at Right Truck. Uh, that's generally. Um, that's generally what we call program business, insurance business. And then there are captives, member captives, where um, fleets of different sizes get together and form their own risk-taking operation. Uh, and we handle the claims. We contract with the captive to resolve those claims. In fact, Gallagher Bass is, is, is probably the leading captive uh, third-party administrator in the market for trucking. And then we have the large self-insured accounts, the fleets of the world, that have uh, outsourced the claims function to us, whether it's workers' comp, general liability, or auto liability. So those are the three types of businesses that we contract with when in, in the transportation sector. All right, so let's go back to your the original point, and which is why we had you on here on Drilling Deep. How does a TPA help you help a company, a carrier, avoid getting hit with a nuclear verdict? Well, if you think about what a, a TPA does, we're we're there to pick up the pieces. Everything we do, John, in the claims arena is post-accident. It's very rare that uh, the TPA will get involved in loss control or safety or uh, issues that may otherwise mitigate uh, the, the, the loss. So we're there to pick up the pieces and, and put dollar signs on, on the incident. And if we're faced with a bad driver qualification file or perhaps a driver that's operating out of service hours, or maybe there's some maintenance issues related to the tractor or trailer that was involved in the accident. Those, those are certainly all issues we have to contend with and build into the equation for, for, for the value of the case. But, and, and so we, we do get involved in loss control, but that's a whole different area of, of, um, of work at, at Gallagher-Bassett. Um, so we do get involved in uh, uh, the losses every day when they occur. And, uh, there's a great deal of collaboration between us, the insurance carrier that we work with, and the motor carrier in trying to build that case for defense and trying to get that good outcome. Yeah, you mentioned earlier you mentioned earlier about the, the poor performance of uh, writing commercial auto. And it should be noted here in, in the insurance business, commercial auto is a term that does include trucks, correct? Absolutely right. Okay. So uh, AM Best had a report out a few weeks ago. I know I wrote a story on it for freightwaves.com just about how just about how this industry has just had a miserable decade. Um, endless losses. When is that going to show up? Or maybe it already is showing up. When's that going to show up in a lack of availability of insurance? And really the only fix for that is higher prices. 
Well, it is showing up. In a, there's, there are several traditional insurance markets that have exited the business, uh, creating, creating the current hard market, John. That's why you're seeing the premiums um, that, you, that you're currently seeing over the last six or seven years. It's, it's the hardest market in my career. I started defending truckers back in 1983, um, and this is by far and away the hardest market um, for premium that I've ever seen in, in my 35, 36 years of handling trucking claims. Um, traditional insurance carriers like AIG and Zurich, Zurich have exited the business. Um, uh, excess insurance and reinsurance rates are exponentially higher today because of the runaways that we're seeing in the market and this spike in severity. So yeah, there's been a tightening of the market um, and less players to participate. That's what's making it so challenging for us right now in the insurance sector. Uh, runaways is, I guess, a term you're using just for verdicts. It, it would be an, another term for nuclear verdicts? Yeah, a nuclear verdict, is, I would say, is, is a synonym for a runaway uh, or vice versa. Runaways are, are uh, you know, let, let's talk about what a nuclear verdict is. I think, I think that today the most generally accepted definition of a, of a nuclear verdict uh, f- with few points in contention is a, is a verdict that's oftentimes in excess of $10 million as a threshold. A runaway is simply a loss, uh, in our view, as claimsmen that has no correlation to the general damages or the actual damages sustained. Uh, there's, a, there's an element of punitive damages that's been attached, attached to the case, so there's been a larger than normal compensatory award that has no relationship to the actual medical costs or the, or the duration of treatment. Um, and the plaintiff attorney has done a remarkable job in, in angering the jury and, and to, to arrive at such a, a, a verdict. Um, you've seen several of those in the last few years that have all of us in the market just scratching our head and, and trying to get our arms around. And that's why the market is so hard right now, because traditional insurance carriers are having a, a great deal of struggle with the unpredictability of our court system. That's why, that's why a lot of folks right now are very risk averse to trying cases and letting 12 strangers decide the outcome of our cases. All right. So outside of hiring Gallagher Bassett, your piece did have a list of things that trucking companies should do to protect themselves from nuclear verdicts. Can you kind of sum, it, uh, sum, up, sum up some of the key points? Yeah. If you look at the, if you, if you study the, uh, the 200 or 250 nuclear verdicts that I mentioned earlier over the last uh, eight years or so, you'll see some themes emerge, John. And um, the plaintiff attorneys are attacking the motor carrier. They're, they're not so much attacking the driver behind the wheel as they are the motor carrier's business practices. So there's a great focus in the plaintiff's bar with uh, loss control and safety and hiring practices of the motor carrier and their adherence to the federal rules regarding hiring. So there's a great, there's a great focus on the driver qualification file, whether it strictly is in in, in conformity with the federal rules uh, uh, for hiring uh, and background checks. There's a great deal of focus on loss control and the amount of investment that the motor carrier is making in safety. Uh, and if they can penetrate those two particular areas, uh, they most likely will have succeeded in angering the jury and making a, uh, a, a profits over safety argument with the jury. So that's that's one of the things that stand out as a uh, uh, company that is, in, that is best in class. They will invest in safety. They will do far more than the federal regs require re, re, in terms of training, safety, and hiring. Um, the other thing you'll see is many of these losses occur with um, uh, owner-operator equipment, leased-operator equipment. 
And so I think if you if you can, to the extent you can with the driver shortage, focus on cultivating uh, use of owned equipment, uh, employee operators, um, you're, you're way ahead of the game. But that's again, that's a challenge with the with the driver shortage today. Um, there's a great deal of focus plaintiffs attorneys have on driver turnover. They use that as a spear against the industry. Um, they they also use driver uh, shortage as a uh, as a means to exploit uh, the motor care industry, arguing that the the driver that's minimally acceptable that has a an otherwise acceptable uh, CDL, but is not the is not the all star driver. They they focus on that driver. They they will they will argue that despite his ability to gain a CDL, he's still a borderline driver, and the motor carrier should not have hired him. Um, that's a byproduct of the driver shortage that we're all seeing in the industry over the last ten years. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's, it's not going away that easily. So it's it's really hard to combat that. I'm sure if you're in front oh, of a jury. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, the the main thing today, though, that the motor carriers can do to protect themselves, and you'll see you're seeing this almost in uniformity with the fleets today, as opposed to the non-fleet accounts, is an is a is an investment in telematics, putting uh, that those cameras in these trucks is the absolute best way for motor carriers to protect themselves today. And we can talk about the inside versus the outside view, uh, but the external view is everything to us. And if we have, if we have, re, if we have actual video footage of the act of the incident itself, there's a very real possibility. The claim is not escalated by the plaintiff attorney. The, we, sh- we turn over the film. We let them see what we see. We show it to law enforcement. Um, they, they, it is absolutely the best way that, lo- that motor carriers can invest uh, in themselves today is to invest in the technology that's out there and available in the marketplace. Well, um, our friend, our friend from Smart Drive, if they were here, they certainly wouldn't come, uh, wouldn't argue with that. <laughs> no, no, it's it's uh, it, from a cost standpoint. If I have if I have good film from the get go after an accident, um, now I'm not thinking in terms of having to spend twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollars immediately on reconstructing the incident. So the film is the technology is there. It's available. It's the absolute best way that truckers can invest in uh, in themselves. Um, and then and then also um, the, the plaintiff attorneys also focus on the CSA scores. They haven't they have focused on the CSA scores uh, over the last ten years. And so the best a secondary way for motor carriers to really uh, stand out as best in class is you really focus on safety and creating those, those, those favorable CSA scores um, so because they're publicly available to the plaintiff's bar. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that's, a, that's quite a wrap. We could probably go on this forever, but we're out of time. And I want to thank Keith Dunlap, the Senior Vice President at Gallagher Bassett, for joining us today to talk nuclear verdicts. Always a very popular subject uh, here on Drilling Deep and here on any of the Freight Cash family of podcasts from Freightways. We're available on all the major podcast platforms. I hope you tune in again, not just to my show, but to all the other ones. For Drilling Deep, I'm John Kingston. Join us again.